Welcome to Storytelling. Everybody has a story that somebody else wants to hear, and every story matters because it is uniquely your own. This week's guest has written his story and shares with us his experience and inspiration in producing his autobiography. He is a finance professional, having worked for a number of high-profile organisations, including a well-known English Premier League football club. He is known for his growth mindset and has recently completed an MBA from Cass University. He also sits on a board of trustees for two charities. Please welcome Harish Janney. But as I've known him for a long time, I fondly refer to him as Harry. Hello, Harry, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Debbie. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Today, I want to talk to you about this amazing book that you have written. And one thing that we all know is that everyone has a story that somebody else wants to hear. Can you reveal to us the name of your book and why you embarked on your journey to write your book? Well, Debbie, thank you. I mean, you are most kind. I've called the, the book Why I, which is, uh, as a lot of my uh, Geordie fans would know, it was a famous phrase, Why I, man? <laughs> but it's really questioning myself on so many different things. So I wanted to tell a story about me, but I purposefully call it Why I, because I do question a lot of things about my existence and about things that I've done in this book. That's the reason, Debbie. That's really great. You mentioned at the beginning of your book that you were reading a Sunday Times article encouraging everybody to write their bio, write their story. Yeah, this was on a Sunday Times supplement. Max Hastings, who is a historian, a very good writer, quite a liberal sort of guy, but uh, old school and you know, we had just entered the first lockdown last year and Dekta, my wife and I, we had just come back from holiday in South America. And this guy, Max, said that, look, you guys, you know, you're going into lockdown. One of the things you can do is to write a, a book because once you reach a certain age, most of you would have had a lot of things that you could teach the younger generation. Not teach is probably the wrong word. I think to inform the younger generations about things. But that inspired me, I think. That was the thing that sparked off the, you know, the writing passion in me, Debbie. One thing that I love about the book is that you leave a legacy behind for your family. So if they ever want to look back at your life and your life experience, they haven't got to do much research because it's all there. And one thing that really interests me as well, the story predates your birth. So how much time did you take to research that detail? I've been lucky enough to have spent a fair bit of time with my parents. And I've been to India with them when I was a little boy. So I was lucky enough to see a lot of people. And, you know, we, we keep a, a, a kind of a family tree. So there was enough information that I had to talk about it. I didn't have a, an awful lot going back, what you see, uh, you know, in the television program, you know, not kind of many generations, but I certainly had uh, information about a, a couple of generations before me. And how long yeah. did it take you to write it? 
Oh, I, do you know, once I started the writing, it kind of flowed pretty quickly. So I'd finished the core book, which is about 200 pages, just under 200 pages. I think it's about six to eight weeks. Debbie. It, it was fairly quick. Yeah. You take us on a journey through the book from East Africa, India and the UK. And you mentioned many traditions and the differences with each experience. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, so I, I kind of was born in in East Africa, in Uganda, um, you know, of, of Indian parents. Uh, and the lifestyle in Uganda was was gorgeous. I mean, Uganda was called the Pearl of Africa, you know, because it was on, it sits at about nearly 5,000 feet above sea level, etc. So, I mean, it's a gorgeous place. But it also had a bit of history behind it in that, you know, a lot of Asians got kicked out in 1970s. So, you know, the good times and bad times happened in Uganda. But but the roots of the family were in India. We had a lot of connections and values, you know, the, the kind of the core values that, that came from the Indian culture. So it was a mix of, of the two cultures. And, of course, um, you know, one of the things that I... Uh, wanted to do was to come to UK to to do further studies. So, so I have spent most of my life in in UK and gone through a lot of things here and enjoyed things. So, I, I kind of been lucky enough to combine all the three cultures uh, to, together. Really, you know, over over time, I think, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> so, Harry, there's one person, there's a name that I'm going yeah. to mention. Sure. It may have influenced you at a young age, certainly with Indian literature. Mm-hmm. Hapu Joshi. Oh, yes. Gosh, uh, you, you know, Debbie, you've done your research. So Hapu Joshi, Joshi was our teacher in my secondary school. And his full name is Hari Prasad Joshi. So it's a similar name to me, really, in, in, in some senses. But he was an absolutely brilliant teacher you know and he taught uh, us history and and also gujarati and he was so the, the the books the gujarati books which were really kind of very elitist books uh, were taught by him and you know he 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 really was fantastic so the the books that are mentioned in this in in my book and I've actually quoted uh, names as well. And uh, I remember there is a book called Raja the Raj. Uh, and, and that book is actually like King of Kings is, is, the, is the English translation of it. And that also has got characters in it. And I kind of said somewhere in my book that the, there's a lady called Manjuri in, in it. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I'm still in love with that lady. <laughs> I mean, she was that that good, you know, as a character in that book. What was your highlight writing the book? Was there a favourite part in the book for you? I would say that it kind of, I, I went on a, you know, it's like when you are rewinding the tape, sometimes listening to your old favourite songs or watching a, a film that you loved in your childhood. I, it was a little bit like that for me. So I was you know, in this period when I was writing the book, it kind of made me think about uh, a lot of things that have happened 
because of the first time really I've had a chance to you know not do an awful lot <laughs> awful lot rather than write you know write a book so it it actually it allowed me to trace a life journey again so that was a kind of bittersweet experience so your book has it's almost like a Hollywood movie because you have your <laughs> your beginning, your middle, your end. You have the highlights, the lowlights. You have the tragedy. You have the overcoming tragedies and the overcoming the challenges. And for me, as an outsider looking in, it's a story that triumphs all those tragedies and challenges. And what has your family response been to the book? My daughters, both of them, you know, have read certain bits of it, but I've actually circulated it to some of the other, you know, my um, other members of the family, and they 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 all liked it. If I'm with you, they all thought it was um, it, it it kind of tells the tells the story as it is. You know, there is a lot of things they can relate to within that story because at different times, different people come in, you know, into the into the story. You talk very warmly about your parents throughout the book, and it's clear you had a very strong bond. How did it feel to reflect back on that relationship? Yeah, I, do you know what? Uh, yeah, you, you're right, Debbie. You know, I, I always had uh, reverence. I had uh, respect and all, all things that uh, children have towards their parents. My father was the stricter of the two. Mother was always loving. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you did, you know, she, you know, you could never do anything wrong. So they had a good balance and. Yeah, no, my, my father was very instrumental in teaching me a lot of things, uh, some, some of the disciplines that, that came into my life later on. So, yeah, no, I, I, I loved him. And I was lucky enough to repair some of it, uh, things, you know, but I was, I, I purposefully came, when I came back to London, um, I, I decided not to be too far from my parents, so at least I could look after them in their kind of final years. So, Harry, there's one part in the book where you dedicate a whole chapter to your sister, and which shows the depth of relationship that you have with her. My eldest sister, Madhu, you know, she was a sweet lady, you know, she, she led quite a protected life. But towards the end of her life, she didn't have the kind of protection she had. So, you know, she had kind of, she was slightly autistic and needed help. Now that kind of inspired me to to join a charity. So I'm actually on the board of a charity called Keering, which looks after people with learning disabilities. And I've also joined a, a global charity, which is a, which is a niche charity, which is kind of more on the uh, nutrition side of things. So it's kind of not related to people with learning disabilities, but it, but it also looks after people in the developing world uh, on the on the nutrition side of things it's some something that i hope i can i can help those charities to to further their uh, goals really no it's it's very very befitting of, of your sister's memory so thank you for sharing that your last job you were working at crystal palace football club and yes. before you left there you embarked on an mba I did. So, Debbie, I, one of the things I, I, you know, I was reasonably bright, I, I guess, you know, uh, ability to do things you know, when I put my mind to it. So when I came to the UK, I, I couldn't go to a university. I think I was probably would have gone to university had I 
gone elsewhere. But I did chartered accountants exams, which is probably tougher than a university, but it's practical, you know. So I always had a, a thing about me, you know, that I've always wanted to learn about things. And one of the things when I did get a chance to go to university to do my master, the MBA, I took it. So I finished, more or less finished at Palace. And um, yeah, Steve Parrish was very good. And he said, yeah, yeah, if you want to do it, you know, I wouldn't come in your way and all the rest of it. And and uh, they, they helped me to um, with other things as well, which I uh, I'll always be grateful to them. So yeah, I, I I kind of did that MBA, yeah, at a, at a ripe old age, uh, Debbie. <laughs> this is from your book. It says, as soon as you think you have achieved one goal, there is another challenge around a corner. Life yeah. for most people really stands still. We are always striving to do something new. Yeah. Complete renunciation is not the answer. Letting go of things is something you learn as you learn yeah. as you go along life's journey. It's either fostered on you or you surrender to the superior forces against which you cannot fight. Yeah. So this is in my in my epilogue, I think. And I'm saying that life is certainly something that never stands still. You know, you, you we go through this different phases. You know, we are we're in, a, in this kind of lockdown phase where people, you know, I, I, I know there have been huge problems uh, and quite tragic cases and all the rest of it. but. I don't think that life is ever still, really. You know, there are different things that happen all the time and people should embrace the change, you know. I mean, there are some core values, Debbie, that I believe one should live by. But, you know, you should always be ready for for any change that happens. And changes, unfortunately, come without any any prior notice. You know, things happen quite quickly. And, and uh, one should be able to adapt with with the change, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of I'm fairly deep into certain philosophical uh, thinking, and therefore a lot of things I've I've done uh, reflect that. And and when I talk about renunciation in life, it's one of the one of the principles in Gita, you know. And I, I'm saying that renunciation is not necessarily the answer because renunciation means you give up or, or give it up and and that always isn't uh, the right thing you know you have to you have to keep going harry thank you so much for sharing your book with me and allow me to be completely inspired by the words in your book i would like to encourage you though to have your book published so that more people can read it and be inspired by your story well, Debbie, you've given me uh, food for thought again. I'd, oh, if you if you know any publishers that pay good royalties, let me let me know. I'll be in touch. <laughs> Harry, we will work something out for you. Don't worry. Thank you. We will okay. put it out there. So, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, Debbie. I hope this episode has inspired you to think about putting together your own story, regardless of whether it is published. Your story will be a lasting legacy for your families and for further generations to come.